This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the Oak Road Hatter Podcast. I am Billy Mully and this is what we've got coming up today. We look back at an extremely positive week for us Hatters fans, starting with a triumph, a 4-0 triumph of Preston before we won 3-1 against Hull City. Two brilliant performances, makeshift defence and stunning James Bree free kick goal as well. That would be what we'll get through today. It's also the return of the polls as we go through five burning questions from the past week or so. I'm here joined by Stephen Day and Jamie Castle. Stephen, first of all, mate, how are you getting on? I'm doing brilliant, to be fair. It's not bad being a Luton fan right now, is it? No. I mean, we. I'm as I said after the... Uh, oh, after last Sunday, there, there just wasn't any football last weekend. It's only been it's only been from well it just didn't exist really only Wednesday and uh, Saturday that's all we're focusing on and the team yeah I'll go by that I'll go by that hundred percent Jamie what about yourself mate yeah decent mate it's um it's been one of those Mondays where you do a bit of work and you can sort of have a little check but like, are we actually third in the league like let me just check that again are we, are we actually third in the championship it's um yeah it's it's bonkers being a Luton fan right now. Um, what what a week! It's mad ch- checking the table. I keep doing it, expecting something to be different. You just keep looking at it. I don't know how many times I've gone on to BBC Sport or whatever just to check the table and you know just to make sure we're still third, even though there's been no football played. But I get going into this international break as well with QPR losing to to Peterborough. It's bridged a four point gap, and it's just where's this all coming from? It's just um, the foundations that Nathan and the staff has built. Right, it's. I was listening to the guys at NTC Twenty, and it it shows that no matter who's out, that the, the patterns of play that Nathan has instilled in the squad means that we, we can play without Rebecca and I centre half and still still sort of play as well as we did at the way at Hull. It's um, nah, it's it's unbelievable from everyone at the club just to be third in the championship, twenty third in England. So um, yeah, it's it's nice. As you say, makeshift defence. I reckon if you drew out every player's name to play in positions for every club in the country, I think would be we'd be Premier League by now. Anyone can do a shift anywhere, and it's just <laughs> it's excellent to see Fred on your dimmer, right wing back, Amari Bell left wing back. Fair enough, that's that's normal. But then the three fullbacks operating as our, our three central defenders, it's mad how comfortable we've looked as well against very good opposition in Preston. And to be fair, whole are not a bad side going for a bit of a transitional period but they're by no means a bad side in this division I mean I wouldn't have 
said that I mean, obviously on, on paper they they both look like not bad sides, but I, Preston were one of the worst sides I've ever seen at Kenilworth Road, and I think it was just kind of lucky that they just weren't on it for our makeshift defence. And um, I mean, as you said, we looked comfortable, but we also did look like if they were more clinical, it could have been a very different game. It was just they they weren't getting the second balls, but they weren't trying to get the second balls. They weren't trying to be on point with every pass. They just looked so sloppy and we were lucky in the sense that they were, weren't clinical, but at the same time, it was a brilliant performance from us anyway. And same with Hull. We, there, there was a few times where it was a bit dodgy, but ultimately it's one goal conceded in those two games. And I think that's, it. yeah, it just shows how how good we're doing with this makeshift defence. And looking at that, that Preston game first in a little bit more detail, I've said before they're not by any means bad opposition been very very difficult to beat under Ryan Lowe and I know like early on they, they played some nice football but they barely laid a glove on us and we speak about this makeshift defence the only time they really got in and had a decent opportunity in the first half was when Reese Burke pulled up with his with his hamstring issue it's a really really solid performance and then you know once that fourth goal went in the football we were playing, I haven't seen that in such a long time. I know we've played good football at spells, but just we just looked a class above and it was just, you know, up there with, I don't know what you boys think, but solely thinking about that, that sort of half an hour at the end, the most comfortable I've ever felt in the championship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I would, to an extent, say that Preston weren't as bad as what Stephen said. I mean, I've seen a lot worse signs at the Kenny than Preston I know football's about more than just how good you can pass the ball, but the first 15 odd minutes, they then looked a decent side. But then, as as British, as you said, they, they really sort of hurt us. And other than Reese pulling up with when I thought, shit, like that's going to really impact our game. But I just think the way Nathan's got, got us playing, he's, he's realised that we have to concede areas of the pitch where we can't press every blade, every blade of grass on the pitch. It's just impossible to do that. So let, let, let them have the ball where they're not going to hurt us. And then when it, when it gets to a point where they could hurt us, then we press and we defend. And we, and we defend areas of the pitch that, 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 are, that are dangerous. And yeah, so the, the fact, the, the way that we're set up to defend meant that Preston really had a decent chance and, of, and even Hull which we'll come on to later I think they did but it was when it was 3-0 so the game so the game at that point was gone so it's just the way that Nathan tactically has got us up at the minute so this year in particular I thought last year we looked a good side but this year we've just completely taken it on a gear and saying that performance levels haven't been amazing in terms of you, you think about your your game against Middlesbrough at home, where for that twenty minutes we were absolutely on fire, but the last week or two I think we've 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 picked up again, and we're starting to get back to where we were for those sort of games. Hundred percent, yeah, definitely, definitely a brilliant performance. I want to try and and pick out the midfield. I, I guess it was one of the games where everybody put in a shift. Everyone, you know scored probably eight or higher on the ratings. It was that, that kind of game where everybody stepped up to the plate and, and enjoyed a very, very good game of football. But the midfield trio, I just love to see it at the moment. Jordan Clark, I absolutely love as a footballer. Luke Berry, someone that we love to see do well in the Luton shirt. And Alan Campbell, another one that, that's gone to, to new heights in, in recent weeks. So it's um, it's brilliant to see those three playing together and you know dominating midfield battles like they did yeah as you said it's brilliant it's it's bloody wonderful to watch and you can mention Pelly in there as well like he's been when he's been in the squad because he was out injured for a little bit he's been doing brilliantly as well like he's not looked off the pace like sometimes he does um and obviously the midfield isn't makeshift at the moment but they are just doing they're doing their jobs and it's well, they're doing a bit more than that as well, pretty sure. Like, they are just brilliant. And 
I mean, I guess there's not really much else to say other than they are brilliant. I think for me, what fascinates me is that if you look at the three of them combined in particular, like you've got Campbell, Clark and Berry, you think in the championship, those three should be outpowered, outmuscled. Because look look at the size size of him. Like Alan Campbell, you you know by now I love him, but he's hardly a giant. Same with Jordan Clark, same with Luke Berry. You you think if they could come up against any decent, well-built midfielder like like a Phil Billing, you think they're just going to be walked all over, but they're not. Like that, the, the, those three combined, they work so well, and I, I, I like seeing Clark in this in this deeper role now alongside of Campbell because the way the way he can dictate the play from that deeper midfield position is just is fantastic. And to think that we got him on a free signing, we said it before, best best free transfer in history, and I'm sure Amari Bell and Cal Naismith and all all the others that we signed on a free, we have a lot to say about that. But it's just yeah, it was one of many players that we signed that's just been absolutely out of this world definitely be a poll idea for you know end of the season it would definitely have to be a one that we asked to to the fans but I guess also um we've spoken about it a little bit we'll go into it in, in a bit more depth but that is the, the makeshift defense we keep talking about and as I said before after Burke came off we had Fred on your dinma typically a winger at wing back we had uh, Dan Potts, you know, a typical left back playing in that left centre back role. Peter Chioso, a right wing back playing in the the middle of the three as well. And then James Bree, who I never thought I'd ever see in a right centre back role, but you know, it, it worked. It, it it's something that you look on paper and think, okay, yeah, it's all going tits up now. And then suddenly they put in a performance like they did against Preston, and then backed it up with a, another brilliant, brilliant outing in Hull. Yeah, and I think it probably was our best bit of business in January was getting Pete back, right? I mean, especially if you look at it now, if if Pete was still out at MK, then we'd be buggered. But he was phenomenal. Um, to think that we got him pre Nathan Jones, right? Because I'm pretty sure he came to us when when we when we had Graham in charge. But he came from Hartlepool, who back then were were non league as a right wing back, came to us. Just played bit part, a few cup games here and there. Gone out and known to Northampton, out and known to MK, and he's just he's been phenomenal to to to, to have done what he's doing in a cent- central centre half role is yeah and and he said it in, in one of his press conferences that he does prefer playing at right wing back, but if I'm Nathan, I'd be like I'd be saying no nah, mate, you're 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 centre half, especially I'm thinking going forward on the right side of a three. Uh, that for me is where I see him being being his best. Just defensively, he is outstanding. He managed a lanky, strong Tom Eaves for forty five minutes without really much danger. Um, so now PK, so yeah, amazing. Yeah, what you say there, he, he managed uh, Tom Eaves very well, but he also managed Cameron Archer and Emma Reese. You know. Up there, I, I personally think with, with some of the best forwards in in the division, Emma Reese, we, we know exactly what he can do. Cameron Archer, just so quick watching him play, and you know he's, there's a lot to like about Cameron Archer and what he can go on to do in his future. And you know Peter Kioso, who hasn't played much football whatsoever, is stepped up, and I think that's a key thing with this Luton team. There's so many players that just step up when when called upon. They might not play week in week out. They might play you know, 10 games a season, but you, you can almost guarantee they're going to put in a performance that would warrant more game time. It's just the competition levels are so high that you, you can't really justify playing all these players. Yeah, it's it's brilliant that we've got the, like without the depth at the moment, obviously there is depth because we are. You know, you think of all the injuries we've got, but there's still so much competition at the moment. I, yeah. I know in certain positions, yeah. it's not. Because we we simply don't don't have the players, but and as we've you know, said, like the foundations that are built, like it's testament to Jones and the recruitment team. Like cause they're always like we we get the right personalities in. Maybe a little bit of a mistake with morale, but I don't think you could have really seen that happening at the start of the season last year. But it it does just show how good their recruitment is because everyone is fighting replacing the team everyone's fighting to to play and fighting to well for, for the club like 
think of all the clubs in the country that say that a lot of their players or they're in bad form and their players aren't playing for the badge. I really feel like all of our players are playing for the badge. They're playing for the manager, the badge, and, well, yeah, it just shows. 100%. 100%. And one thing I want to talk about is the the quite it's, it's relatively contentious but about what happened with Preston in the end um refunding all the tickets and you know like I just don't get that at all okay they didn't play well at all it wasn't a it, it was they a were rubbish the worst side ever at Kenilworth Road <laughs> yeah but the thing is they had they've improved so much under Ryan Lowe fair enough if the situation was dire at the club and you know um, everything was going wrong on the pitch. Players didn't look like they were trying, but that wasn't the case. They just, you know, things that they were doing didn't work and we were better than them in, you know, every capacity. It wasn't It wasn't down to, like, desire and work rate. It was more down to things not coming off for them. I, that's what I don't get. I feel that to get get tickets refunded... You know, you have to see players that, you know, are not putting the effort. I think it comes down to that kind of thing rather than just being outplayed. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, it's not it's not that deep. But it, it for me, it was a little bit disrespectful. The fact that, oh my God, we, we, we've lost to Luton Town. So therefore, we're going to like refund all, all our away fans with the, the ticket money. And I actually, to an extent, agreed with, with Ryan Lowe's press match to, to a point where goals that we scored you think it was a second phase from a, a cross okay we're saying great cross from Bree to Eli great knockdown and a great finish from Luke Berry but they're saying come on centre half you've got to win that header come on other centre half you've got to get out, get out for Luke Berry like faster the second goal is a set piece right and you think set pieces are, are always annoying goals to concede and the fourth one's just just comical so when you when you look at the goals overall it 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 wasn't as bad as what what the actual action made out it made out to be like to refund tickets over a four nil that on on a, on a different day could have been one one or two like yeah it's just a, a little bit disrespectful that for me it just seems a bit like oh it's Luton Town lost four nil so therefore let's let's just refund all and the you, way fans. you've got to think like when we beat Coventry five nil they didn't refund the tickets when we lost seven nil away to Brentford. There was no even talk about it. I think like some fans were calling for it, but like you know, it wasn't that was a horrible day. I got very drunk, but it was it was a horrible day and I I was I didn't come away thinking obviously I know it's not the fans that have made the decision, but I didn't come away think from that thinking I want a refund. I'm like you know it it is a bit of a as you said, disrespectful. Um and it is you know, a bit of a funny decision, but at the same time, long, you know, it's a midweek game away from home. It's what, three hours, four hours down from Preston. So I can, I can see why, but at the same time, it is disrespectful. Yeah. One thing I do want to, I want to jump on one of your points, Jamie, you said when uh, Bree played the ball in, and I don't know if you heard it where you boys were sitting, but when he put that ball in, there was a collective groan, as in like, oh, why has he kicked it up that high? And then two seconds later, the ball's in the back of the net. It was quite quite comical to to hear that. And yeah, I think that was something that, that added to the uh, added to the goal, I think. Well, um, we'll go on to the whole game, back to another impressive victory with yet another impressive victory. And, you know, I think we, we've mentioned it a little bit already, but I guess the best way to sum sum it up was a professional performance. In, like circumstances again, you know, we've got players missing, we've got a lot of things going on within the squad at the moment. So to to put in a performance of that level and be as comfortable, I guess, as we were, big credit to what we're continuing to do. Yeah, without a doubt, and like I was saying at the start, it, for me, it signalled that our, our, our levels of performance are coming back to what they what they were. I think for the month of February or so, that they had dropped a little bit, and okay, yeah, we, we were getting wins, but it was a question of actually, are we going to be going to be found out soon? But the last the last two Preston and Hull, the, the performance levels have just gone back up to what they were. 
at, at the perfect time, right? We're, we're, we're sat third and our, our performances are, are getting back to what they were. So, yeah, all round professional, probably c- could have been more. Um, but then when it was 3 0, Hull got, got back into it a little bit. But then it's all about game state, right? It's 3 it's 0. We, we, we know that our squad at, on that day wasn't exactly the deepest because of all the injuries that, that, that we've had. So we think just, just managed the game, see it out. And obviously frustrating that, that we concede late on. But it, if there's any questions about the players' mentality, is just look at look at the four defenders that are on the floor when James Shea banging the floor in anger to, just to concede a 90-second minute uh, consolation goal. Yeah, um, it, it tells you all, you all you need to know about that, that mentality. It played into our hands a bit as well, the way Hull were trying to play. Uh, us, you know, you know how high pressing we are, how hard we work out of possession. And, you know, they're not the most... Well, Greaves is definitely one of the more gifted centre-backs in the division, but apart from that, they, they looked a little bit sluggish. It looked like an error was going to happen. And I know that didn't lead to the first goal, but it led to the second one. And it was just one of those things that, as a neutral, when, when, you're, in, when you're watching it as a Luton fan, you don't expect things like that to happen. But I guess yeah. if you're a neutral, you're thinking, why does he keep doing that? And, and that kind of stuff. So, again, credit to the high press. And then the first goal as well. Um, it was it was very weird watching the highlights back because it looked near enough identical to the, the Cornick chance. Yeah. The, the only difference was that Cornick managed to get his on target. Adebayo didn't, and he ended up with a goal. That was, it's okay. funny how it works. I, I liken that goal to the one that Adebayo scored at Coventry. I, I know it wasn't a long ball for the whole for his goal against Hull, but it was. Similar sort of position, and it just shows how clinical he is and how important he is to the side. And like, it was just brilliant, like to get a goal from that position when you think that most strikers might not be able to score that. Like, or you know, from those positions as well. Like two, two of those in what a week and a half. It's you know, it's it's just brilliant from Adebayo. And then, of course, the other goal we get to talk about is. James Bree, and it's just, it's just been brilliant when when you see a goal like that. Not just because of how aesthetically pleasing it was on the eye, but you just see the reaction of the wider football and fan base, and um, like the soccer Saturday stuff. It was brilliant about um, Chris Boyd not knowing if it took a nick, and it, it was just a sensational goal and something that has been coming for a while. You think? I was to say back at the start of the season when Bree was on corners and everything and he couldn't well he could cross but a lot of the time the crosses weren't great I guess yeah I I wouldn't have ever said that it was a long time coming but it shows the work that he's put in for him to score a goal like that and he's you know he's made a real effort to to improve his set pieces and his is you know attacking creation so yeah I'm it was one of the best goals I've seen and it's brilliant. I'm so happy for him as well because he, he's been playing brilliantly and he deserves it. And we heard as well, we heard Bree before, I don't remember what game it was, but it was quite recently where he spoke about how much of an influence Alan Sheehan has had, not just on set pieces, but just in his general delivery, just in his general play. And you just come to think, what an appointment, again, getting someone like Alan Sheehan in is. And I don't want to take too much credit away from James Bree because, you know, he has been sensational and he deserves the full credit. But, you know, having someone like Alan Sheehan around, that that's not going to be, you know, that's not going to hinder anything, is it? You can definitely see the, the improvement from when Sheehan joined, right? Like, I think the, the output has been so much better. And the, the, that free kick was just stunning and it seems like we've got a lot of a lot a lot of legends in our team now right you've got, got Caldini we've got, got James Breakham I'm not sure I'm not sure who's next but um I just hope now that that that's the the goal that gets everyone on side or James Bree because like you were saying really like that like the cross from James Bree Preston there was still met with, with a few groans and and like yeah I guess you can see why to an extent but just just don't groan just like it's just, just, just get on his side because when you're behind him, like he is phenomenal. And if I'm, if I'm being honest, he probably is better than Jack Stacey because it's at the point where 
yeah, we think Jack Stacey was this phenomenal white, like white back for us, but that was League One. Look at him now. Okay, he's at Bournemouth, but is he really? Is he getting games? Not, not really. He's he's, he's playing he's playing a, a, a bit bit part, but he's not getting the minutes out that James Bree is, and and the consistency that James Bree is showing for me as well. Like, okay, he, he might lack a little bit of offensive output occasionally, but defensively he's solid as well. He, for me, he he's like a an all round right-sided wing-back and I think yeah it's, it's time to back him and the song is brilliant he, he deserves that song and yeah I mean and he's still only 24 as well like he's 24 years old so he's nowhere near his best so yeah he, he's definitely one of the players that I look at that if we were to go up he absolutely can can go up, go up the level to the Premier League Oh yeah but I, I would say that under Nathan Jones Stacey's the better out of the two under Nathan Jones, not right now, but just under Nathan Jones, I'd say Stacey would be the better out of the two. I, I do get why you're saying that, but then I think you can't underestimate. Like, if you look at Luton's journey in terms of League One, the Championship, how tough the Championship was when we first got into the league, it shows how tough this level is. So to compare a Jack Stacey at League One level, to a James Bree at championship level, it's, it is a really tough comparison. So, so the fact that, yeah, performances-wise, you'd say, yeah, Jack Stacey was absolutely outstanding for us. But that was League One. James Bree's doing it for a top six championship side. And it still feels weird, weird to say that we're a top six championship side. It was, he's, he's played right, right over back three. He's played right wing back. He's found himself right mid occasionally whenever we switch to a back four late, late on in games with Peter at right back like his performances have been outstanding I mean it's a good argument to be having because again I think it it just shows how how brilliant Jones is because he's got all these players playing positions that they wouldn't normally play or want to play and they're still their levels are still brilliant and it's just I'd rather be having this argument than be saying, oh, well, should Bree even be on set pieces or, you know, does he deserve a spot in the squad? I think with Bree as well, if you if you look, well, add, add into this Bree and, and Jack Stacey debate, you can't purely just judge them on, you know, on their, their play during a match because you've got James Bree now on set pieces, which is such a, big part of the way we play um you know jack stacy might be able to take a free kick he might be able to take a corner but you know not with the consistent quality that we see from james Breener. and it just i think that again is something that could be a little bit underrated because of the fact that you know stacy was never on on set pieces for us but the fact that you know you can you almost get to a point with Bree at, at the moment that if he does put a bad ball in you're like where has that come from yeah, completely different position to to the start of the season where it, it, there was definitely inconsistencies. But you know, Bree, what a player! And as Jamie says, twenty four years old. If we do go up to the Premier League in the near future, then you know every bit of faith that he's the kind of player to step up. We got him for like what five hundred k from Villa, wasn't it? No, um, so it, it's very much up in the air. But I think the the most reliable source that I've heard is that in the end Villegas let him go and we got him for nothing but I mean I think the, the, the most accurate is that it was a very nominal fee sub sub like 100 grand yeah I think I I think I saw that it was well I think I've seen that it was 500 then 250 and then other ones where it was 200 or whatever but either way my point was going to be no matter what we will make a profit on him if he if he gets sold we're making a profit on him yeah, yeah. Just think some of the business we've done. To like whatever we paid for James Bree, two hundred and fifty grand for Elijah Adebayo. That's what the winner of the Apprentice gets. I know what I prefer. A hundred percent. Know what I prefer. <laughs> and, and also, like it's Alan Campbell again. We don't know, but. Sources suggest it was around a three four hundred grand mark. Was was what sources would would say. Only Denmark again. We 
we don't know, but sources would suggest it was around that that, that same mark, about, about 250. Like all these players that we've got that are A, a great age, they're all sub-25. They're great great players when they play. And okay, Fred, there's the argument that he's not played enough this season, but when he's played, he's been really, really good. And like our, our recruitment for the, the, the value that, that, that we've signed. And like, if you look at... A Bournemouth, for example, who signed Dembele. I'm not sure how much they paid, but you're talking a few million quid. And yeah. for me, okay, I don't watch Dembele a lot, but if you were to compare him to, to Oni Dinmar over the course of a 40-game season, if Fred got those games, for me, I'm not saying Fred's better, but he's for, 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 for the value. Oh, there's competition. Yeah, it's 100% again. All comes back to how good our, our recruitment is. It's not. It's something that we'll never get tired of saying as well, because you know it's such a big yeah. bonus that that we recruit in the way we do and how intelligent we are. But like, what what's really surprising me compared to like the, the bigger side is that it's not hard. Like, any decent club can send a scout to Motherwell, see that Alan Campbell's got potential, find out that he's actually out of contract, and therefore you can sign him for, for, for a decent. A, a decently low fee and think you know what okay he's out in a month and we can get him for nothing but let's let's get ahead of the queue let's pay a nominal fee of about 200, 200 300 grand for him just to make sure that we're we're front, front, front of the queue and the fact that we've been watching him for for 6 12 18 months means that the player knows that we're after him and then nathan jones powerpoint presentation is ours like it's not it's not hard to replicate really like obviously i it, 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 this is a, an opinion of someone that has never worked in a football club, but just for, from the outside, the, the way I I think about it, surely it's not hard for you know, the likes of your Fulhams and your Bournemouths to use the money that they've got to, to actually improve their recruitment in, in that sense. I answered it in itself there. Nathan Jones's PowerPoint recruit, uh, that's not going to beat yeah. the PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> There's no point even yeah. trying. I mean, the way I see it is probably like, they just operate differently because they've got the money so they're like well what like we don't want to risk wasting money on obviously it would be a bigger thing for us to waste money but they're probably thinking well what's the point in taking a risk on some guy that's doing well for a scottish club rather than going for you know a proven championship player or you know or someone that's coming down from the Premier League or, you know, like, or going for someone that's proven in the Belgium first division. Like, they've probably just got a completely different style because they've got the resources to to do what they're doing. We've got to be smart with how we're doing it. We've got to save our money wherever we can. Not because we're poor, but because, you know, we just have to be smart with it. We're not going to go over what we, what we've got as a budget, and I think that's why it's working so well. Is that we're we're putting, well, we're, we're making every penny count. Do you think basically. arrogance comes into it? Do you think that you know teams like Bournemouth and Fulham, you know, there's a slight bit of arrogance that you know these are not the kind of players that are going to improve us, even though you know Luton are showing that they are players that that can improve a champion. Yeah, I mean, like West West Brom, like when obviously Ishmael was the reason, one of the reasons why um, Alex Mowat went to West Brom. But you know, if they if they had to choose between Alan Campbell and West, uh, and, um, and Alex Mowat, they're choosing Alex Mowat because they can. Obviously, they're different players, but you know, they will always choose the the bigger name and. You know, unless it's someone that a club that is known, like Brentford, taking players that are, are less known and improving them and selling them on. I guess what I would say, I think Stephen got it right to an extent, is that if you're a Fulham, you think, right, let's improve our squad. What do we need? Okay, we need an attacking mid who can play out wide and, and is flexible across. Let's get the best we can get. Who is that? Harry Wilson. How much? 20 million. Okay, let's get him. So I guess to an extent, there's the arrogance that they can go out and buy the best that they can get for their money. They wanted an attacker who could play the tail, who can play out wide. Who was the best? Harry Wilson. We've got the money. Let's buy him. Done. 
Yeah, they're not going like, to take Luke Berry, are they? No, whereas, whereas we're like, like we want a, a fast wide man. Okay, we've got all these four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever players on our shortlist. What player works for us? For both financially and one that we can develop. Anya Dimmer, Musquay, Mendes Gomez. And I, I know the latter two haven't quite worked out. All three of them haven't fully worked out yet, but that they've all shown glimpses that actually they could be, be really good players for us. And the fact that we've got all three means that we can work on all three. And even if one's a, a miss, even if two's a miss, all it takes is one to be a hit, then you've, you've, you've made your way back and, and more. Uh, so I guess we need to be we need to be smarter about the way that we do. Whereas Harry Wilson is a almost ninety nine percent certain hit twenty million. Yeah, let's go up, and then ultimately Premier League for them fifteen million means nothing to them. It'd be interesting to see how the recruitment changes if we do go to the Premier League. Of of course, we're not going to you know completely forget what we're doing, but at the same time, you you feel our recruitment will have to change to meet the you know modern day demands of the Premier League. You look at. I reckon uh, Jones will be upgrading his PowerPoint slides. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the latest update PowerPoint. He'll have a uh, 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 an increased budget for what he can put into the the PowerPoint slides. He'll be able to buy stock stock images and all that. <laughs> Gifts and everything. It'll be. Gifts of James Bree <laughs> scoring that free kick. I think on a serious note, right? I think. And naturally, your wage budget will, will increase because revenue. I mean, because our, our wage budget is pinned to a percentage of revenue, so our revenue will, na- will naturally increase. So, therefore, the wages that we can offer will naturally increase. But there'll be an element of hedging over the fact that actually chances are will go down. So, let's just build in a bit of risk mitigation in there. Where, 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 where if we do go down, then we need to try and reduce our, our costs and quick. Obviously, that's helped by parachute payments. But I think one element that we, that we will see go up by a bigger proportion than, than wages is, is transfer fees, right? Because we will spend five, six, seven, maybe 10 or more million pound on, on a fee. But that doesn't actually mean that his wages are going to be 40, 50 grand a week because we can't offer 40, 50 grand a week. So you will probably be a bit more, a bit more, I guess, leaning towards, you know what, okay, we, we can spend 10 million pound on a player. But for us, what's important is that the wages are more sustainable in the event that we do go down. So that's probably the the, the nuance that we'll see if, if we were to go up. 100%. And I guess that the fact that we do have these young players in the squad, you know, your Alan Campbells, your James Breeze, your Fred on your dimmer, Reese Burke, all 25 or under, who, you know, there is scope that they can emerge as Premier League players. I guess that's a massive factor in, in terms of the wages as well we've already got players within the squad that we believe could go on and succeed in the top tier it, it means that it's not we wouldn't require an overhaul of any sorts to to you know maybe not go and, and stay up but go toe-to-toe and, and be competitive in the Premier League which is you know it's all we pretty much ask for as a, a Luton Town fan that we could go into the Premier League if we get into the Premier League and be competitive, be like what we were against Chelsea. Yeah, and I think the board and Nathan, are, are, I don't think I know the board, the board and Nathan are wise in what, in what they do. They'll, they'll highlight the areas where actually we really do need to improve on and just focus all our resources on those areas rather than buy 11 new players for, for whatever. They think, you know what, we, we, we really need to improve these four, maybe five key areas and we're going to put all of our resources into those areas. Um, so yeah, not by no means a, a complete overhaul. You know what? I'd love to be a brilliant footballer, not for the rewards of playing professional football, but you know to potentially have the chance of of sitting in in one of those Nathan Jones PowerPoint meetings. It just <laughs> must be. It just you know it must change your life. But basically, Luton Town, if you've got any internships going where you can sort of be like Nathan's PA for like a year, then let us know. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> that'll be ideal. We'll share it amongst us for. I want to I want to jump in with something. I'm looking at a um, championship pro- projections um, for you know for the probabilities of everything. Apparently, we are like favourites to finish in the playoffs now. Like according to maths and probability, I you know I I don't fully understand it, but it's you know the probabilities of us 
finishing the playoffs is like 75% with Sheffield United 69%, Huddersfield 60%, Forest 63%, which I think is, I can't believe that. Like it's mental. I mean, as positive as everything is though, you just got to think, you know, the, the, the fall of the likes of QPR, Blackburn and as positive as everything is, you know, that, that could quite easily happen to us. And yeah. that is why, until it is mathematically safe that we're in the playoffs, I'm not, I'm not, I'm already no, excited, no. but I'm, I'm excited quietly, but that doesn't matter. But there, there is a, there is a 2% chance that we get second. It's mad. It's just mad what is going on at the moment. I just, we, we keep speaking about each week, the closer we get, but it still hasn't properly sunken in that we're actually in a, a real battle for the playoffs. Like imagine even the playoff semi-final, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm not speaking about it. We're moving on. I can't, I can't do this to myself. It's just, Could you imagine beating bogey team QPR at Wembley in the final? That'd be unbelievable. I'd be gone. I'd, 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 there's no coming I'd, I'd book like the next month off work. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be losing my job. <laughs> well, we'll go on to the polls then. Um, got a bumper, bumper week of polls. We've got five for you. And the first one was how many points will we need from the last eight games to secure a spot in the top six? And after I just said I don't want to talk about playoffs at the moment, we're, we're straight back in with playoff talk. And um, with that, 28% went tw- uh, with 12 points will do. 57% went somewhere in the middle and the 15% were at least 18. And I guess with teams playing, all, all these teams playing each other, that there's so many interesting playoff battles as this, as this run-in progresses. I think QPR have to play Sheffield United twice, which is quite strange, but, you know, two massive games. Um, obviously, we know we've got to play Forest still. We've got to play Millwall. We've got to play Fulham, some some really big games still left to play. And even looking at Bournemouth, Bournemouth, we were looking in the car on the way to Coventry. They have got a very, very tough running. But I'd be leaning more, more towards the 12 or, or somewhere in the middle. Something around the 13, 14 mark. On what I just said about, there was another thing that I saw before the, um, or on the day of the whole game, and it's, According to you know predictions and everything, or like probabilities, again, this is the most. Uh, I like previous stats as well. This is the most open the championship has been in like 22, 23 years. And realistically, before the whole game, we needed 13 points to confirm playoffs. Obviously, that's just going on predictions or calculations and everything, but. I think definitely 13, 14 will be at least going into the final day needing like a point or something, which I'll hate, but you know. I was looking at the past years. So the last four years have been 77, 70, 74 and 75 points to get sixth in the league. So last season was the highest for obviously I've gone back for four seasons, but it was the highest for over the over the last over the course of the last four seasons. So that's fourteen points from a possible twenty-four, which seems on the face of it achievable. Obviously, it's a championship, so who knows? But fourteen points is um, yeah. So that that would put us on seventy-seven points. It's just so tired, and it? it's just it is just manic that there's so many teams still not just involved but believing they've got a genuine opportunity to secure a playoff but you think the likes of QPR Blackburn will be using this time effectively you know it's come at a good time after their, their recent decline Middlesbrough a good side Sheffield United are a good side looking at the form QPR's only win in their last five was against us of course it was God's sake! Um, but when we went, when we played Coventry away, I think there was what a two-point gap between us or a three-point gap. There's now what an eight-point gap. So we are building a gap, and I think there's 
the obviously the points tally for sixth to like gain sixth is going to be a, a lot lower than usual because everyone's still got to play each other 12,000 times pretty much. You know, QPR's got Sheffield United twice and there's going to be times where they it's going to end in a draw. No, no one team is going to win. This is going to come back to bite me, obviously, but I cannot see there being four teams... That are Don't in a say it, mate. Just, just stop. Are in get enough points to overtake us, mate. Stop it. Just, stop, just. I'm, I'm gonna ignore that comment and move on. That is getting. Just, no, that is getting cut out. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think for me, the biggest game the last day is Millwall. I think. Oh yeah. It, it's important to, to start the next batch of fixes with three points. If we can beat Millwall at home, um, aside that before the, the, the game at their place this season, we're, we're a little bit of a baby side. It was, we, we were finding it, t- it tough to beat. Um, but we obviously went, went to the Dem, got a great win. Harry Cornick, what a player. I think the, I think the, the, Millwall play, the, the, the Millwall game, sorry, is probably the most important game for me of, of that, of that last eight that will set the tone for, for that eight fixtures. After that, we, we go into Posh, which, yeah, on paper, bottom of the league, but, but they're, they're the sort of sides that, that are dangerous at this time of, time of the season. And then, then obviously we, we go into two massive games away at Hudson at home to Forest. So I think if, if we can start off that batch of, of eight games with a win at home to Millwall, then I think it's looking good. Still so, so nervy. We'll go on to the second poll and that is... That's, that's talking even even in, well, a bigger improvement of, of where we are now. That's looking ahead at Bournemouth. And it says, with Bournemouth getting back to the best at Huddersfield, is second now unrealistic. 23% went that we're still in the running. With 77% with Bournemouth. Um, it is Bournemouth to lose, basically. So um, I guess... They're numbers that are pretty much the way we feel. Nothing. Oh, well, of course, I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, I, I mean, what I would say is absolutely it, it is theirs, theirs to lose. If if we get second, it's not because we've we've done well to get second. Okay, yeah, we've done well to get second, but it's because they've they've lost it. So to be six points clear with two in hand, with for them ten to go. That they would have lost second place rather than us winning second place. No, no matter what their fixtures are, the fixtures are horrendous. But you would think that it is definitely in in their hands to win it. So absolutely, yeah, it's theirs to lose. But as I, as I said, especially in the in the card to commentary, like like their fixtures are absolutely horrific. Like I think they've got Bristol City next. But after that, they're away to West Brom, who are looking better. Away to Sheffield United, who probably. On paper, are for me probably the favourites to get top six. Sheffield United. Then they then they're home to Middlesbrough, who away form's not been that good, but still a good side. Away to Coventry, who okay are for me they're probably in a bit bit of a, of a fourth position. I think that they think they're better than eleventh. Then it's home to Fulham, away at Swansea, away at Blackburn, home to Forest, home to Millwall. That is a horrific running, and I know. There is no easy game in the championship, but my God, that there is no easy game in that list. Not one bit. Um, so, so yeah, there's to lose, but we just need to make sure that we keep ourselves in a position to capitalise on any mistake that Bournemouth make. And if we win at if we win eight eight out of eight, and Bournemouth still get second, then fair play to them, well done. We just need to make sure that we that we're in in a position to. Even if we get a sniff of second, just to to go after it, just just to go after it, hundred percent control the controller balls. Hundred percent. We'll um, go on to the third poll, and it was about looking at next season if we do fall short of of going up to the Premier League, and it read: if we do fall short, will we be able to reach the same level again next season? Assuming some of our key players get big moves. 40% went for mid-table and rebuild. We had 47% at playoff challenges again and only 13% that, that will will be even stronger. And I guess 
you know, we're putting so much energy into the end of this season. You've got some clubs that are already casting their eyes to the next campaign. You know, those that are playing for nothing now are, are looking to to prepare themselves best for the next season. And but no, I, I still I still have to say I'm surprised that only thirteen percent were will be even stronger considering our continued rides this season. Most people thought it, it'd take a while for us to gel, given the, the sheer amount of changes. But you know, I, I did go for playoff challenges, but I, I would imagine I, I would have imagined more people went for will be even stronger. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that it's only thirteen percent as well. Like when you think about it, obviously you know you got as you said in a tweet, like some of our key players could get big moves or assuming that they do. I still think we've got a brilliant squad to build on and we will be even stronger no matter what next season. There's no way, as we keep saying, with with these players that are 25 and under, we've got such a good squad to build on. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very surprised that it's 13%. Yeah, same same for me. Um, I've seen a, a a bit of talk on Twitter that it's like now or never until power call, or it's like the best chance we'll get for for, for a few years. But for me, like surely you just think with everything in our favour. Okay, let let's say we we do fall short, which again odds are still against us to go up. But let's say let's say we fall short. We, okay, we're in danger of losing Adebayo. We're in danger of losing, but. Campbell, we might lose five massive players for us, but do you not back like the, the team we have in in Luton at the minute in both a player perspective where you've got, like I mentioned earlier, the likes of your Miss Graves, your Mendes Gomez's, your Elliot Forbes, your Pete Kiosos, who are still nowhere near the level where, that they can reach. But if, if, all, if all four of those kick on and could go up another gear or two, then okay, we're not, we're not going to take any risks from a wage perspective. We'll, we'll still keep to our to our wage budget, but maybe those two hundred and fifty k gambles change to you know what? Let's let's take a couple of sort of seven fifty eight hundred grand gambles, maybe a, a a million pound gamble because we've now got fifteen million quid for Adebayo. Like our our ballpark just goes up a little bit more just because we've got that little bit more money to play with. And it's just, yeah, I just can't, I just don't see that we're going to be a mid-table and rebuild. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're going to be failed to playoffs, absolutely not, because Luton Town in in our current guys should never be favourites to get playoffs. But if, to, to, to think that we're going to just sort of revert to 13th, 14th and then just rebuild again, it's, for me, it's just a bit mental. Unless we lose Nathan Jones, but just, yeah, I, I can't see that happening. To, to, to compare where we are now with Barnsley and to, to lose, okay, yeah, well, Barnsley lost Ishmael, but Ishmael and Nathan Jones are just different leagues in terms of where they are as managers. Yeah, Ishmael had a great half a season in terms of getting them from where they were to the playoffs, but Nathan's in it, Nathan's now with us for the long haul. It will take, it will take a incredibly attractive offer for him to leave us. So Nathan's Only Barcelona. Only Barcelona. Or Brighton. <laughs> so our fourth poll was even if we get all of our centre-backs back fit, does Peter Kioso keep his place in the current back three with 32% at 100% he deserves to with 68% at would go Burke and Lockyer. Yeah, this was the most voted on poll, one that, that people feel strongly about. And it was, yeah, as I say, not too close, but, you know, still... Per- 32% believing that he would get in, in our current, that he gets within our, our best back three with all options available. So, you know, it, it goes to show how highly our, our fan base do rate Kyoso. But I think looking at Burke and Lockyer, um, they are very, very good central defenders at this level. And, you know, Kyoso. He's still got a fair bit to improve uh, to, to prove to us Luton fans. I think I, 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 it feels harsh to say, but yeah, yeah. I mean, what I would say is that the fact that he's got thirty percent over the past two games, okay, there's an element of, of recency bias, but to to have a third of the fan base on your side is it, it shows how well he's played in, in, in the last two games. 
but also the other 60% is reflective of actually how how well stocked we are at centre half, how good Reesburg, Tom Lockyer, Sonny Bradley, kind of, like how good those four centre halves have been for us. So it's almost to an extent a, a bit of a win win. Actually, no, do we, do we have four centre halves? No, actually, now we've got five, or actually, no, we've got six with, with Dan Potts, or six and a half with, with James Bree. Like, it shows that at centre half, we're they're pretty solid there. Yeah, 100%. We'll go on to our fifth and final poll, and it was about Fred on your Denmark. I'm a massive, massive Fred fan. I think when he comes on, he, he just brings so much excitement wherever he comes on. It doesn't matter if he's right wing back, doesn't mean it uh, doesn't matter if he's up front, uh, more of an attacking midfield position, or on his favoured wing, uh, wing role. He is such an exciting player on the ball, and you know, he's one of those people that that leaves us fans on the edge of our seats. And it's been perhaps slightly unfortunate that the fact that we've tweaked the system so early on into his Luton career, but that's not to say that we're going to stick with a system for, for the future. I, th- I think there's definitely scope for that. And I guess this is what this poll does ask um, is where do you see on your dim mistaking his claim at Luton long-term? We had 45% at Going for in a wing back role, we had eight percent in the front two and forty seven percent, basically going for a system change and and forcing him back to his favourite position out wide. And I guess all things considered, seeing him back on the wing in his his most favourite position would be ideal. Yeah, and I think talking about what our squad is going to be like for next year, like with being. It's going to be a strong side. I think we're going to have the room for Jones to change the system a little bit and be able to trust that we're not going to get caught out as easy with a with another system because at the moment the way he's doing it now is like he's kind of hit the formula, but that could easily run out soon enough. And um, so yeah, I think and I, I really think it would be worth changing the system for Onyedinma because he is exciting and I think that'll give Musquay and and Carlos Mendes Gomez more room to get into the squad as well. Like we've got to think about these players that we've got. Like they need to get a chance because they're all they're all gonna be brilliant. There's I, I I'm gonna say there's no doubt about it. Like that they might not they might not make the you know becoming championship standard attackers between them, but I think there's absolutely no reason to not build around them and Adebayo. Yeah, it, it's it's a really, really, really sort of interesting question, this, and it's, it's why I put it out because I thought it'd be good. Um, you you always see, you're already seeing this season that Nathan has tweaked the system a little bit. He he's played it with a two centre mids and a one ten. He's flipped that triangle to have actually, let's have one sit and then two more pressing eights behind the front two. At, at Blackpool, he changed it. We showed that let's flip the, the front triangle and let's have one centre forward with two off sort of two false tens, if you like. So he's, he's already, throughout the season, tweaked it a little bit. And I think for me, I, I can see us going down like the whole Chelsea route where you sort of play like the two tens off, off one forward and... I can see Fred maybe may being one of those sort of wide wide tens, because um, I think fundamentally I, th- I thought I think he, he was brought in to, play, to be out wide in a four two three one. But as, as Stephen said, he's found he's found a formula in this back three where when you've got three good centre halves, especially one like, like Carl Nasmith who can play out, out on the left and is so so good on that left hand side, it's, it's it's almost hard to to move away from a formula that that is done so well. So I, I, I can see him actually maybe tweaking it a little bit and going back to what we saw at Blackpool, where you where you see those two sort of inverted wide men off off one centre centre forward, a bit like Chelsea, where they play a Mount and a and a Ziyech or a Mount and a, and a Pulisic off off a Kai Havertz sort of sort of setup. And I think Fred might look good in one of those sort of wide ten roles. Yeah, I definitely can see that as well. It's definitely a lot of scope to continue changing things. And I think that's the excellent thing about what we've got at Luton at the moment, that there's so many different 
um, formations that we can implement. Of course, not losing losing the way we play football, which is the, the most pleasing aspect of it all. But that is all we have for you today. A big thank you to the two of you for joining me. We're going to look to try and do a couple more podcasts this week, something a little bit different as we head into this international break. Make sure to check us out on our socials. We are, of course, at Oak Road Hatter on Twitter and Oak Road Hatter Pod on Instagram. But until the next pod, goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.